Welcome to At Home with Kelly and Tiffany, where naturally-minded women gather together as we pursue simplicity and confidence in health alternatives so we can show up better in our busy lives and feel more at home in our bodies. Join your favorite home birth midwife duo for conversation, candor, and community. You're at home with Kelly and Tiffany. I'm Kelly. And I'm Tiffany. And you are here for episode... 100! That feels like a milestone. I mean, a hundred episodes. Ay, ay, ay. have really happened in there. <laughs> what could we possibly be talking about for a hundred different times? But what's crazy is we're planning out the rest of our podcasts. There's just so much to talk about. Oh my gosh. I've talked about before. I mean, we're like arguing about what could possibly be talked about next. I mean, I'm arguing with it's, myself. It's ruining our friendship. <laughs> yeah, we're <laughs> tearing we're us ra- apart. Having to put things in writing <laughs> and I'm calling my lawyer. <laughs> 100%. Today we're going to talk about estrogen dominance and low mm. progesterone. I feel like that's something that we get asked about a lot and kind of like a hot topic. I don't know hot topic, but just like more people are becoming aware of it. Yeah, I pulled Instagram for their like questions surrounding hormone imbalance in general yeah and estrogen dominance was coming up so much and a couple people were like well, can you talk about low progesterone too yeah God. i mean most frequently yes. related sometimes are one in the same but right. have some distinct personality yeah absolutely so yeah. we can kind of unpack that a little bit today but i would say by and large 80 percent of the women that we treat with some kind of hormone imbalance are dealing with an estrogen dominance which is crazy but it makes sense as we like look at the relationships between hormones one is high one is low right they're all communicating and so it makes sense though if you're going to be dominant somewhere something else is going to suffer also yeah absolutely i mean it's an imbalance for a reason my darlings i have to say we're sitting in a new situation recording and tiffany and i are looking into each other's (laughs) eyes while we're talking I had to hold myself back from laughing a couple of times. I like this. It's not. It's like we're having a conversation, which we always are, but there's something about making prolonged eye contact with you that I'm really enjoying. We'll see if it comes across yes. in the episode. You guys can let us know. It's a very intimate experience. Yeah, that's Great. good. I feel like we can resolve the 72 <laughs> complaints that I had before we started this episode. You like yeah. one thing that's going on today, Tiffany. Yeah. Kelly's great. looking at you. That's great. It's I'm beautiful. here for you. All right. Right here. Before we dive in to this content, because I can imagine us talking about this quite a bit. Yep. I wanted to share one of the birth stories that we posted on our Instagram lately. Yeah. Kind of just re- the episode that we did last week about our birth stati- statistics Yes, for our home birth practice just had me thinking about what an impact midwifery care makes. For sure. And one of the ways that we love to normalize that experience of birth for women is the stories that we share every single Monday on our Instagram. It's become the sweetest, one of the sweetest parts of being on social media. For me, at least, is like sharing it and everybody just interacting with the like a snippet of the story. It's just really sweet. Yeah, and I agree. Um, so if you're not familiar with this I don't know, this aspect of what we share on Instagram. Kelly and I write the birth stories of the births that we attend with our clients from our perspective. And so we kind of unpack it from the midwifery perspective. But 
it doesn't really matter that it's the midwifery perspective. It's truly just the onlooker in awe of what a woman is doing practically on her own. Yeah, it's kind of incredible to be able to take, and it's usually not the entire story because we just can't put that in the caption, but to be able to grab the feelings, the emotions that we witness, and to be able to share that with people who don't get to see birth as often as we do or ever, or who are preparing to give birth themselves, or who are thinking about becoming pregnant, whether for the first time or again, to be able to be like, wait, birth can look like that. And sometimes we don't always share just like the beautiful, easy, straightforward stuff. And that too gets so much feedback too, which is great. But I am going to read one for you guys now. You wrote this one. I did. Yeah. So sit down, grab a cup of, I was going to say cocoa. Cocoa. We're not 12. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Coffee. And you're going to listen to this birth story. Cuddle up with a blanket too. Okay. I'll do that. Do what I tell you, please. Okay. This is in a quote. You can't read that it's in a quote, but you will understand in a moment. No one in my family understands why I want a home birth, she said with a slight smile on her face that was holding back the tears welling in her eyes. Just because they don't ever want to deal with any of their own feelings doesn't mean I don't want to actually feel everything. I'm not afraid of feeling it all. I want to look it all in the eyes and meet it, all of it. She wiped her eyes and leaned in for a hug from her husband. Months passed and one morning she called to let us know of a feeling that is different than the rest of them. I heard the shaking in her voice. I know what I said, but I'm not sure I'm strong enough now that I'm feeling it. Her voice began to trail off as she stopped to breathe through her next contraction. What did that feel like? I asked her genuinely. My baby telling me she's coming today. We laughed and celebrated these feelings. We decided that she would give us a call when she felt ready for more support from her midwives. Only an hour later, my phone rang that familiar ringtone and the first noise i heard as i picked it up was a deep moan come now as i crept quietly but urgently into the second floor apartment i discovered mom in her bathtub with dad stroking her hair staring at him with longing in her eyes feeling all of this is a lot i know honey but just because it's big doesn't mean it's scary you're safe i've got you she smiled and breathed deeply as her next surge began to build Just because it's big doesn't mean it's scary, she repeated to herself. Soon, these deep breaths turned to grunting, stretching, burning so much pressure. She continued to name her feelings as her baby effortlessly transitioned from one world to the next. As she reached down to bring her baby out of the water and onto her chest, they stared at each other in silence. Minutes passed when she broke that sacred silence as she spoke to her daughter. I know that was big for you. It was big for me, too. But it's not scary here. We can feel this together. Oh my gosh, you're going to cry. It's different. <laughs> We've never read yeah. these stories out loud before. Oh, God, hell, you get it to share. I don't even need a moment. Because you really remember yeah, what it was, it was like sweet. to be there and how important it is for those kinds of transformative moments to happen to women before they have to parent this little kiddo for the rest of their life. It's a big it's deal. It's crazy. It's crazy and what a sweet thing to be able to witness, even though we weren't there for long, to witness this like massive, that now that family gets to take with them forever. It's It's never not amazing. I will say that. I mean, people ask me all the time if if it becomes just like an old hat and I'm like, not yet. Yeah. I mean, every single time I'm like, yeah, the baby, there was a baby in there. It came out. out. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, no, you know, babies know how to come out. 
kind of like look at the dynamics of everything and you're like, I don't understand them. How does this all work? How does it? I, yeah. I mean, I could explain it in great yes, detail. Yes. I know how it works, but it's the mystery so, of it. Yeah. That it is able to work. Yes. And it's like normal, but miraculous. Crazy. Wonderful. Okay. Well, I had a moment. Yeah. I mean, oh, we're like, we're primed to talk about <laughs> some hormones. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So if you could just give an estimate right now very quickly of how many things you can do to just balance your hormones in general. If someone was like, tell me as many things as you can in the next uh, 60 yeah, seconds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how I many could, things yeah. could you come up with? If I could talk that quickly, like probably 50 right off the top of my head. Yes. Yeah. Just very clearly. like Some of them small, some of them really big. Yes. Yeah. But there's a lot of information out there about what it is that women are supposed to be doing in order yes. to quote unquote balance. Yeah. Balance their hormones. If you have to pick just one of those 50 things uh-huh. that you could rattle off for every woman to do, uh-huh. what would it be? That's hard. I This is hard. I'm going to go with seed cycling, though, because I feel like that one, for me, made a really big impact relatively quickly. It's been like a couple years of doing it for me. But there's a lot. Maybe even right below, but just like so a dose to number two. one. Yep. Maybe mine will be one of the ones that you yeah. had. I would I say low glycemic yeah. diet. Uh-huh. I just think that makes just an impact on everything. Yeah. I hate to say it. I hate to tell people to do it, too. Because you're just like, I realize this is going to radically change all the things. Yeah, and like yeah, for sure. Mess with your brain and stuff. But you got to do the things that you got to do. Yeah, and I yeah. just think if anyone's going to pick a thing to invest, yes, 100% of their you know what's interesting is both of ours are like food as medicine oh, ideas well, for <laughs> sure. yeah. yeah of course and i think a lot of other people are like take the supplement or do this extra thing yeah and really oftentimes the simplest thing is what's going on inside of your body actually you're fueling what's going inside what's going on in your body i remember i grew up with a close family member who had a lot of health problems in general but a lot of them ended up stemming from like stomach type things oh yeah or just i guess digestive issues i remember being like 13 or 14 and discussing this thing with them and being like but did your doctor say there's like any foods you should stay away and she's like no Uh, no i can eat whatever i want it's not food related and i just remember even then i'm still like i don't know 12 years yes, out from is. the holistic lifestyle <laughs> that I'll eventually lead. And I'm just like, really? It does not compute. Uh-uh. Not at all. Yeah. That's a powerful, powerful form. Well, for those who are not familiar with estrogen dominance yes. or women who want a refresher or to just be reintroduced to the concept, how does someone know if they have estrogen dominance? It's not always really clear cut for everybody. So... For sure. And I often think people are like, they come to us and they're like, I have some kind of hormonal imbalance. And then they're trying to piece together like what actually is it? Or they're just like, I don't know at all. There's too much information. Help me here. Like you were saying, it's almost always some of these same symptoms. Uh, A ton of PMS symptoms. And it's like a huge umbrella state there. Bloating with PMS in particular, fibroids, things like PCOS, very common for just funky cycle stuff, things being really irregular, headaches, mental health stuff with anxiety, all of that stuff, mood swing, 
especially heavy period, breast tenderness, super short cycles. So right, the cycle is irregular, usually pretty heavy. Potentially it's short. Your mental health is struggling. Like it's, there's sort of the symptom picture that when women come in to talk to us or email us and are like, here's what's kind of going on. I'm like, oh. It's a clue. But yeah, it's, it's yeah. not that it's always this, but it is very common. And then sometimes we can distinguish that from low progesterone or mm-hmm. sometimes low progesterone is a part of that picture also. Yeah. And so since the hormones all talk to each other, right? And so similar to why the low glycemic suggestion is so important because insulin's a hormone going to tell other hormones to do other things. And so sometimes when estrogen is too high, then sometimes progesterone is too low too. And these women usually are the ones who are coming in and they're like, I spot a lot before my menstrual cycle. I have no libido, like no interest whatsoever. They may have a history of early miscarriage, potentially more than one at that point, craving a lot of sugar. Talking the same thing about like, how about insulin? Your body's like, I need to find homeostasis somehow. What am I doing here? Yeah. Yeah. And so holistic medicine is an interesting piece to kind of digest because it's not an exact science. And so I think that can be really frustrating for some women. I feel like it provides a lot of freedom because we get to investigate and try things and there's not a a funnel into one solution that's going to work for everybody, but it can be some trial and error. And a part of figuring that out is assessing symptoms. If you're treating something and the symptoms aren't getting better, it doesn't really matter what the treatment plan is or what backs the treatment plan if you are continuing to have symptoms. It almost doesn't even matter what it is that we're calling it if you're continuing to have symptoms, right? If you're not progressing. Yeah. So we want to be loose with the way that we talk about symptoms and diagnosing and such. But I would say symptoms are a much better indicator for an imbalance than anything that can be shown in lab results because sometimes those just aren't sensitive enough. And also, who cares if your labs are great, but you're miserable in your body? Right. And this is where most healthcare providers or the standard whatever's happening in our society, care providers, miss the mark. They're like, oh, well, your thyroid looks pretty good. It's definitely not thyroid problem. And I'm like, oh, let me see those labs, right? It's like one value. And I'm like, that's not helpful, right? Or your particular value may be in the normal range, but say a year ago, your normal range may have been very different, right? And so I completely agree. And in particular, it's really fascinating doing well woman care with women coming in and wanting to talk even just for paps, right? I'm like asking them questions about their overall health. And they're like, oh, huh. No one ever asked me before how I was sleeping or like, I didn't really even realize how my low libido influenced this thing, influenced that, right? And so it's cool to be able to check some of those symptoms out with women and kind of open their minds to, oh, just because my labs were great or just because so-and-so said it couldn't be that doesn't mean that. Yeah. And I mean, Western medicine is set up to compartmentalize. Yeah. You can't even get specialized treatment for more than one part of your body. (laughs) (laughs) Silly if you really think about it. Yeah. Oh, well, you got to go to like the gastroenterologist for that. Oh, well, that would be the neurologist oh that right you have to go back to your gynecologist for that one but this could not like the gynecologist could not be related to the gastroenterology issue yeah Yeah, absolutely so saying that to encourage women 
that if you want to begin doing some hormone balancing from a holistic perspective, because you're recognizing some of these persistent symptoms, it's not a dangerous thing to do to start taking care of your body and looking for balance before going and hunting down some more extreme measures, you know, gathering labs and stuff. But you do want to get labs. There are some really important ones that should be considered a part of the picture, not just going for hormone profiles, but the big systems that end up compensating Yeah, inside the hormone picture, looking at those. I think it's important that if women are going to go down the lab rabbit hole, that they insist that their cortisol is also checked thyroid a full panel of thyroid so you have to be like clear that i want the actual comprehensive panel it's gonna be seven to nine yeah values of thyroid checked not two or three vitamin d and not underestimating checking on blood sugar regulation yes whether that's like in a fasting you know thing but in particular monitoring it yourself at home can be life-changing i've had seasons of my life where i've monitored my own because i have issues with like keeping my blood sugar stable and gosh so helpful i'm like oh dang on the days i work out this is what happens on the days that i don't eat enough here's what my body's doing (laughs) really fascinating yeah a really good indicator i think what are your go-tos for treating hormone imbalance and estrogen dominance in particular i mean what you were chatting about or what we were both chatting about earlier is this idea of food as medicine and even like going to the next level of that is like gut restoration and gut health in general because it impacts so many systems in your body. And so when your gut is healthy and all of the bacteria are firing as they should and everything is finding homeostasis as possible in there, then so many of the hormones are able to be produced, listen to each other better. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we're, like you said, we're learning more and more about how gut health is just the actual paramount of everything from mental health to immunity to hormone production and regulation to being able to utilize the food and supplements and everything, right? right? Um, And that's like life. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That hits every area of life pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about diet a little bit. Yeah. Since we decided that that's our, our favorite, our favorite treatment item. I mean, I think the biggest impact that women can make is taking garbage out and learning what that is, what, yes. what that dietary garbage is, and gradually just making habits that eliminate it from their yeah. diet, or at least becoming aware so that they can avoid it. At times that they're actually able to. But I realize that that's really overwhelming for a lot of people. And food The idea of taking stuff out Mm -hmm. can trigger a lot of things. Yes. Plus it's just, no matter what, even if it's not necessarily triggering, it's just hard. Yeah. Like we're just very used to our rhythm, what we eat. Absolutely. And there's a whole bunch of psychological and emotional and economic things and social and food is just you food relates to every single part of our lives so i understand when it when it's hard so one of the strategies that we use in our practice for women that are going to have a hard time eliminating a lot of things Mm -hmm. it's to be really diligent at increasing the good stuff because there's just only so much room for time and energy that gets put towards nutrition yeah and as you start to put more time and energy towards the good things the 
garbage is going to eventually start to weed itself out. Yeah, it just for sure. is. It's an economy. Yeah, and it's usually easier to add some things, even if it's one thing at a time. Like this week, I'm going to eat fish twice or even once, right? And be like, okay, that's different than what I've been doing. Okay, and then the next week, I'm going to add this thing, right? And it absolutely can be baby steps. Yeah, if you're hearing this episode and for some reason you did not catch last week's about habit building, yeah, I don't know. We could probably reference that habit building episode every (laughs) single time single time very applicable to when you have a big task in front of you or even a small task but just feels overwhelming yeah how to break it down into meaningful um yeah bite-sized pieces so the types of food that we want women to be eating who have estrogen dominant are first and foremost anti-inflammatory foods because your body is completely inflamed if it is having a hard time metabolizing excess hormone. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if you you can do a quick Google for like a ton of options and there's there's an entire protocol that you can follow also, that is a massive undertaking. But starting to add in some of those things I mentioned, fish, but like green vegetables, adding more garlic, which I'm sorry, great for everybody. Everybody loves garlic. Ginger, turmeric, whether that is, you know, getting some ginger root and adding that either to your foods or drinking tea from it. You know, like little things like that that you can start to incorporate that your body can feel. Thank you. It's not only not inflammatory, but it actually works to help. Uninflame is not the word I'm looking for. (laughs) Deflame. Yeah. We need to to turn the flame down. And that's exactly what it does, right? Like on a a little stovetop, you're like, I'm just and turn down a little bit and maybe you don't do it the entire way all of a sudden but these things will yeah and absolutely something that should be a part of at least most meals in a day but yeah absolutely some part of an anti-inflammatory food should be a part of a daily diet yes and we'll talk about supplements in a little bit but eating the real food yes of course yes supplements can always kind of like pull up the rear if you need them to but the more that you're able to actually connect that you're eating and get a real form the better yeah the holist holist version the part that has come from the earth yes short of time as possible yeah is probably (laughs) going to be what your body can utilize yeah best agreed antioxidant Mm -hmm. are another heavy hitter that's pretty much every single colorful fruit and vegetable so when people say eat the rainbow and then talking about skittles (laughs) That would not be an antioxidant. Make a rainbow on your plate. But that is a great way to like have some fun with food too. Like I love eating. Like I'm, My go-to is not salads, but I love it when I'm able to like throw a ton of stuff in. I'm like, oh, look, it's kind of pretty to look at. Yeah. Uh, I mean, sometimes we get stuck in ruts where we're just like, yeah, carrots, mm, right. tomato. Yep. Here I am. Here I am. And there's lots of other wonderful foods to work in and try and i think yeah variety can go a long way for you know what's great for that is like csa boxes yeah those get me out of my comfort zone i've tried stuff like never tried in my life before because of which is great yeah and it almost forces you to utilize it in potentially new creative ways too which is kind yeah, of yeah for sure kind of fun if you're that kind of if that sounds fun or just good and right yes fiber is a big part of estrogen metabolism yes. and that includes helping your probiotic to seed well in your gut it includes bulking your stool so that you're eliminating your waste every single day it includes just good healthy digestion yeah are all reasons to have fiber but um 
paying close attention, that can also be a part of a sense of satiety for women. For sure. Want to feel fuller longer if they're not um, eating as many carbs as they once were. For sure. Fiber is a great way to do that. Dandelion, artichoke, asparagus, onion, garlic. Those are all really good prebiotics that are also fiber. I'm like throwing some asparagus and some onion and garlic. Find me. I mean, uh, we've hit all three boxes with that combo, right? It doesn't have to be fancy or complicated. Nope. Not fancy or complicated. Fermented and cultured foods, of course, are going to be really high in probiotic activity, which is good for your gut, good for hormone metabolism. And then seed cycling, which is something that you brought up as your number one. Yeah. I mean, I kind of stumbled onto it through a rabbit hole on Instagram. And this was like a few years ago. And I didn't feel like I had so many period issues or like cycle issues at the time. My first few cycles after starting it and being consistent with it, I was like, oh, actually, apparently I did because these are like the best periods that I've had. And so just the idea behind seed cycling is cycling between four different seeds in two different phases of your menstrual cycle. And the idea is that those particular seeds are helping the hormones that are trying to be produced in that particular phase of your cycle. We do have a freebie that we'll link in the show notes all about that with some recipes, what seeds, where to get them, all that good stuff. Real good stuff. And we have an episode about it, too, that I'll put in show notes. So those of you who want to dive in can get all the the info there. Let's talk about supplements a little bit because our Western culture just loves to shove a bunch of pills. Uh, And some of them can be just downright helpful for sure. Absolutely. I think women have a really hard time trusting what should they be taking. Is it necessary? How should I make sure it's quality? Do I have to take this for the rest of my life? Yeah. So so there's a few that we recommend in particular for women who are working towards a balance in their hormones. So probiotics is one. Of course, if you are eating fermented and cultured foods, that is going to blow a probiotic supplement the water. But if you are not into that (laughs) fermented foods, then probiotics are a great option for bulking that up and making that happy bacteria proliferate. So that's definitely one that we recommend. Vitamin D in particular. So we've talked about vitamin D a bunch, both on our social media and in previous podcasts, but it is responsible for transporting hormones, right? So we live in San Diego. I think there's this idea that like everyone's just going to have vitamin D like oozing out of their pores, right? We're just all so sunny. uh, It's just Just the sunniest. And there's a lot of women who are very low in vitamin D. And a lot of it comes from hiding from the sun in our situation, right? Or not being exposed to it. And so that's a big one. We like it when it's with K also, like in some kind of, so whether that's in a tincture form or like a small little capsule, um, but that's a great way to help it actually assimilate. B6, a great one. Methylated Bs in general are great for women all you know, in general, but especially trying to balance their hormones. And then magnesium is every phase of life. We love it. Yeah. And you guys will remember that at the bottom of every single show note of the podcast, we have a link to our favorite supplement. Yeah. So you can, you can browse that and see all the different categories from preconception to hormone balancing, pregnancy, postpartum, 
yeah, we have all these lovely categories that we have hand selected our favorites for some of these and and more. Yeah, for sure. And magnesium in particular, I wasn't really, I didn't think that spray would be as efficient or effective as powder or capsule. And I've been really happy with just the spray. Yeah, I don't take oral magnesium anymore yeah. unless something weird's happening. Right. Like I'm having a cramp or yeah, a lot of trouble sleeping. Yeah. Or I just feel super stressed. My topical magnesium. Yeah. I if I leave the house without it and I'm sleeping over someplace else, I'm like I'm not I'm not gonna sleep great yeah. now tonight. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah, very impactful for sure. And other lifestyle things, I think it we because it gets harped on so much, it feels judgy. Yeah. 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 But but it shouldn't be underestimated. No, not at all. Sleeping well, moving your body, you know, appropriately, not too much, not too little. Just being an absolute viking about your stress yeah like ruthless on coping with stress yeah and you can't take all the stress away but how you manage it and how you breathe through it how you tackle it how you don't tackle all of those things can massively impact your well-being and your hormone absolutely and then you know in in the same vein like just being willing to be on a journey of lowering toxicity yeah in every space yes and for sure, we don't have it all figured out yet. And absolutely, I know things that can be implemented in yes. my home and my life that I'm like, yeah. of course, not there yet, but we're, we're coming for you. But being willing to engage and willing to engage in the concepts of low toxic yes. lip is going to go a really long way for hormone health. And I would, I would even dare to say women could work on their sleep, their movement, their stress, and their toxic load in their life and not take any of our advice right. about yeah. labs or foods or supplements and see a massive impact. A hundred percent. I feel so strongly about those. So I had to split this episode up into two parts. Because otherwise, we, I mean, we could <laughs> easily sit. I could keep going. Yeah. I'm excited for next week. Yes. Yeah. So next week we're talking about detoxing yes so with the, the concept of having too much of a hormone we're going to go into what does that even mean right dominance of what the yeah estrogen or, or another hormone and then how do we get rid of it so we have an excess of it how do we get that out of our bodies yeah and so we're going to talk about detoxing hormones pathways for drainage and how to get those going yeah um it'll be like it'll be it'll be so fun for us but it'll be kind of disgusting so everyone can just Enjoy that we haven't talked about a whole lot of disgusting things <laughs> this episode. <laughs> next week. Just wait. Next week, we got some gross things. We want to remind you guys that we are kicking off the Hormone Reset Challenge invitation. Yes. Not a challenge. <laughs> I'm not trying to challenge you, but maybe slightly. In the loving, but, in the loving sisterly I will, way. I will say it is an invitation to assess your hormone status and your relationship with your body and your relationship with your hormones so these emails are going out we have a couple emails going out each week if you haven't jumped into this invitation you haven't accepted this invitation into your heart you can sign up in the show notes and you will start at the beginning with the you won't have missed an email so that's there for you it's pretty sweet so we're going to go more deeply into some of these things kind of 
talk about other things that won't make it into the podcast either. So you'll have insider info. Yeah. And what a great time. Yeah. You know, I'm always like, there's nothing actually special about January, right? But at the same time, like, because you can do anything, you can be listening to this podcast in July and be like, yes, I need to reset my hormone and this email series would work for you. But there is something special about like a new year being like, ah, yes, this is a new opportunity. Yeah. I feel something, a little sparkle at my butt that makes me want to. And other people around you feel that sparkle up their butt. So you're like, yeah, we're doing this together but sparkle but sparkle sisters we're we're here for that that is it for this time but excited to share with you guys next week and the week after that and the week after that in perpetuity but the detox convo will be great to see you all right ladies bye bye